Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we both not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we're talking about season 3, episode 23, Quintessential Decker Star. And I have to admit, I was gonna Google the exact definition of the word quintessential and I didn't. So I'm just gonna go by the context and pretend that I know what it means. I think it means perfect essence, perfect pure concept. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But apparently we do not have a German word to translate this accurately. And so the German translation is Deckerstar through and through. But more importantly, in the official description on Amazon and IMDb and everywhere, Charlotte risks her safety. In the German version, she risks her life. Oh, wow. That's more accurate, but also weirdly, the stakes are so much higher. I assume they didn't want to put a spoiler out there like that. I have two summaries actually for this week. Oh my god. Because the first one is, we get our hearts ripped out the second we start feeling happy. Yes, that is a very accurate summary of the entire episode. And then I thought, well, maybe I should try to have an actual summary. So I tried again (laughs) after I calmed down. So my attempt at an actual summary is Lucifer is stuck in the past. Chloe gains a new level of insight. Ben is the happiest we've ever seen him. Charlotte and Ames make a great team. Pierce is the biggest asshole on this planet. And in the end, after a glimpse of happiness, everyone is sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hate it. Thank you. Bye. Perfect. Okay, well... Obsession of the week. I have decided to go with normal in quotation marks. Very good. I have going back to normal. I count this as a perfect win. Oh, I'm so proud of us. It hasn't happened all season, it feels. It has happened, but not very often. But it's nice to have this one tiny win. Before we go into the episode, we have to talk about the facts and fun. Even though I only have our three basic ones, we have a third-time director with Claudia Yarmi, who did Candy Morningstar and My Brother's Keeper. So no surprise that this episode, as painful as it is, it's superiorly well done. Plus... We have ninth-time writer Ildi Modrovic returning. Oh my god, yeah, well that explains a lot. (laughs) So this combination obviously set us up for the most amazing, horribly painful experience that we are about to get into. And our title is, of course, set by Lucifer. I would like to put this out there. Ildi, if you're listening, I love you and I hate you. Well... Let's get ready with the previously on Lucifer. Lucifer finally realizes he wants to be with Chloe. Dan realizes he wants to be with Charlotte and tells her. Mace finds out Kane doesn't have a mark anymore. Ames tells Charlotte neither him or Lucy can get her to heaven, but still asks her to help out with his task which she takes as helping God. Chloe decides not to marry Kane, which makes him very angry. And Lucy chickens out of telling Chloe how he feels. Again. Again. So this already made me infuriated with Lucifer again. 
And while very happy about Dan and very happy about Charles, all of these first feelings came rushing back. So when I first seen starts with, by the way, very good song called Sweet Dreams, hint, hint, by Borns, I was definitely convinced that this was real. Same. And I was in heaven. I was experiencing bliss. I was like, oh, she even got her kids back because she was on this progress of reaching out to them and they seemed to be the right age and something and it was like ah oh, and I could totally see Dan being the one to help bridge the gap between the kids and Charlotte and then everything starts to go wrong and I was like oh my god I was actually surprised because I was thinking to myself I don't remember there being a time jump because there would have had to been a time jump in order for the kids to be around because you know it couldn't have been the next day and when the horrible person with the weird head comes in I realized this must be a dream or some sort of a look into Charlotte's hell loop and then I looked back at the name of the song that was playing and I just thought to myself okay well I should have seen this coming I did not same, because I was too busy with the happy feelings to see the bad feelings come and they got me and it hurt a lot. The first time in this episode, but not the last time when this happens. But I'm gonna mention it now because the final person that she sees in her nightmare is Forrest. Yes. And I was very, very much confused by this because that seems to imply that her nightmare is clairvoyant. Which means that she sees the future? Yeah. I think, yes. She has prophetic dreams. And I'm like, since when? (laughs) Well, I think there are two options. Either somehow she was given or shown this specific guy in order to get alerted about the case. Or we were shown this specific one in this specific dream because clearly she's been having these dreams with different people since she came back from hell. And just as a happenstance, just for the convenience sake, we see her dreaming of this guy on that specific night. Since he literally says the thank you for your help, which triggers her at the end of the episode, this seems extremely deliberate to me, which then next up leads me to believe that this dream was sent to her which then leads me to believe that it was intended that she does what she does and ends the way she does which makes God an even bigger bag of dicks than he already is well don't you forget that we still don't understand why she's back why didn't Charlotte's body just die after mom left it yeah still I'm very angry so to close the scene out she wakes from the nightmare and Apparently, Dan knows about the nightmares and, I mean, he is the sweetest person. Yeah. While I feel sorry for her, I also feel very happy for her that she has someone like Dan on her side. Absolutely. Unfortunately, this also means that she actually really, really deeply cares for Dan, which is very good for her and very good for Dan, but it's very bad for us because that means that something's gonna get fucked up very soon. Mm. Speaking of fucked up, we move over to therapy 
And I have made my position on this very clear in the past few episodes. I'm over Lucifer as character in his behaviors. I'm over him deflecting. I'm over him making excuses. And I'm over him ignoring Linda's advice. I know it's very in character. I'm over it. And this is the moment where I'm joining you there. Finally! I got so, so mad at Lucifer. Because he just flat out chooses to ignore everything. He has finally admitted. Finally. He's gotten to the place where he admitted that he actually cares about Chloe and that he actively wants her to choose him. And now, because the immediate danger of Pierce has passed, has passed, he is running away from it as much as he can, which pisses me off. And it's gonna piss me off and frustrate me and make me very, very angry for the rest of the episode until that one scene, which we're gonna talk about. But like, this is why I wanted to get this out now, because I have exactly the same position. I just used up my anger on this in the last few episodes so I'm already in the disappointment state. Okay, yeah. That's fair. And you're still in phase one of grieving and I'm in step two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, in this scene, we actually get a confirmation of question that I posed at the end of the last episode and that is did Chloe just break off the engagement or did she actually break up with Pierce? In this scene, we do find out that she broke off the entire relationship and then that's gonna be a basis of what we're gonna learn a little bit later. That is something that makes me happy in this scene. And then my another note just goes back to angry and I ask, what even is normal anymore? There is no more normal. We've been in the abnormal, so to say, for such a long time that it is the new normal. So let's go over to our crime scene and see if we differ or agree on Ella. Well, as we go to the crime scene, I'm just gonna mention this song here. I couldn't find it anywhere, but according to the website that I usually use, it's called Devil on the Run by Youth, which I feel was very fitting. So I wanted to mention that. But yes, let's talk about Ella. Because Ella realizes that she was selfish during the bachelorette party and made it all about herself. So my opinion right now, I am very glad that she is apologizing. It makes me happy that she is searching for the reasoning and things, trying to figure out what she fucked up. I think she's apologizing for the wrong thing right now. Yes. Because yes, she has been very selfish about the bachelorette party and everything, but she should apologize for letting the engagement happen in the first place. Well, not letting it happen, but pushing for it because she played an active part. She helped Pierce and she does apologize for that later when she drops that horrible shipping name. I mean, seriously, Pecker? We'll get to that when we get to that. There are other ship names that are dropped before that. So I'm completely with you. I'm glad that she is becoming aware. I'm glad that she is starting to apologize. But just like you said, it's not enough. And as we have Ella chatting to Chloe, we start hearing piano in the background. And of course, it's Lucifer. And he is playing a song called... The Way We Wear by Barbara Streisand. The queen. The diva. Barbara Streisand is awesome. She is most certainly very, very cool. And yes, this is the song that I have decided to give you a little bit more information on in My Devils in the Music. So if you want to head there, become a believer and you will know. This 
marks the beginning of Lucifer deciding he has to relive all their previous cases. And even though I'm a huge fan of callbacks, this annoyed the hell out of me. See, as much as I want them to go back to solving crimes without drama, I don't like the literal way Lucifer decides to go about it. But that being said, the first callback that I noticed, if I dismiss the meeting and whatever, is actually the callback to Reese's Pieces episode, <laughs> which is not season one, which I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool. That's the juggling with the balls where he says, I know this is not implants, but from here now on it's gonna just go downhill regarding this and I knew this was gonna annoy the hell out of me so I'm not gonna complain throughout the episode about this I will and I have noticed that Lucifer is the person who always comes up with all the ship names I thought right now because he says the title when he says you know quintessential Decker star so just to wrap the piano moment up Chloe is in this moment still agreeable to going back to normal but I feel that even in this instance she wants to go back to work not rewind time and ignore everything that has happened she just wants to focus on her work because that is how Chloe copes with most things in her life let's just focus on work and get shit done and the rest is gonna sort itself out pretty much Dean and Supernatural let's just focus on a fucking case and ignore the shit fest that is happening around us and while maybe not the healthiest of coping mechanisms it does work so why not use it and especially since at the end of the episode she literally says I don't want to go back it makes no sense so I still appreciate appreciate Chloe a lot. I am grateful for the evolution she goes through and it feels all very authentic to me. So that is my one shining light that as much as I hate so many things about this, I grow to like Chloe more and more and more and more. I'm really glad you're saying that because I might just go back for the summoning episode and find some audio clips of you <laughs> saying that you will never ever 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 like Chloe because she's terrible. So I'm gonna complain so I'm gonna start this one. We go to Charlotte's. Do you remember our lengthy discussion about how amazing I thought Charlotte's plan was that Amenadiel should use his own fears to draw out peers and the detail I talked about that yes because mortality and ooh, and well he used the whole mortality thing against peers but apparently he never realized that this also goes for him which may I redirect you back to our discussion on that topic when I said that and you were very much on the but you know he uses his mortality he wants he needs to connect with Amenadiel is a fucking blind dum-dum and I am very angry and annoyed by this. That being said, though, I do appreciate and love Charlotte for calling Eminadiel out on this. She's so perfect. And making him essentially face his own mortality. Because finally somebody who he respects and who he likes is telling him how it is. And he listens. Because, I mean, you could argue that Linda could have been the one to introduce this idea to Ames. And in a way, she may have 
been if she wasn't dealing with her own issues throughout their relationship. She was too busy distracting herself with him to be available to help him. Exactly. This is furthering our idea about the relationship being just a distraction for the both of them. So I'm just gonna go out and say we're super smart. We've seen this coming a million miles away and I think that we should be writing our own show. Let's see what we're going to be doing when we finish this podcast. But what I really want to point out here as well, Charlotte not only makes Emmanuel face his mortality and realizing that he has to cope with this, he also tries to talk about having faith and that faith is hope and all that. And as usual, I'm with Charlotte. Amenadiel has no idea what he's talking about. Faith is not hope when faced with hopelessness. Faith is believing without any facts or knowledge. And that is what Amenadiel has been doing from the start. Which is also why I have an issue with religion and faith in general, because I'm a very fact-oriented person. I like this scene in a sense of where it stands in this episode, because it gives us roots to the development of their relationship and it kind of blossoms into what happens at the end, which never actually happened, let's be honest, because the last few scenes of this episode do not exist. So you keep saying. Do you have anything else on this scene? I will bring us down into our first of two cutscenes. This one is a bit weird. We are at the precinct and Lucifer and Chloe are summoned into Pierce's office. Pierce is standing there. He's looking out the window, looking really, really intense. They walk in. He turns around, looks at Chloe and says, you're fired. What? The both of them, Lucifer and Chloe, look at each other, completely confused, ready to fight it. And then Pierce plays it off as a joke. What? To prove that they're all adults and there's no reason for them not to go by their business as usual. Then, in the midst of that, he gets completely distracted because in between, Lucifer starts spewing his, oh yes, let's go back to normal. This is such a good idea. So Pierce gets distracted and starts staring at somebody outside, which is some woman that walks in and talks to some police officer outside the glass wall. And he maybe thinks it's a maze. Maybe he gets distracted because of that. Then he kind of like brings himself back into it, keeps talking about how they're adults and whatever. And this entire situation is interrupted by Ella walking in, saying something in a sense of, oh, did I interrupt something? Typical Ella. And essentially she's just there to tell them that Forrest arrived to the police station. And then we transition into the actual scene. Holy shit. Okay, what the actual living fuck yeah and also this is the only interaction between pierce and anybody else but maze so we go into the precinct scene and this is when i realized uh, okay apparently charlotte now has prophetic nightmares i was so so excited about this this was such a good writing i did not expect this it's just such a good twist and also it really helped that forest is an amazing actor when he talks about his wife. Mm -hmm. Because I believed him, but 
I like Charlotte more, so I decided to believe her more. He was convincing, but exactly because of this little nugget and because we know that he was one of the bad guys who kills her family in her hell loop, we know that he's a bad dude. In the precinct scene, we also get this absolutely amazing interaction between Charlotte, Chloe and Lucifer. Yes. And I think this might be one of my favorite moments in the entire episode when Charlotte tries to convince Chloe and Chloe goes when Lucifer tries to intervene and tell, well, how about the truth? And Lucifer tells her verbatim the actual truth. And Charlotte standing next to him, her face is fucking priceless. And then just to tie the bow perfectly, Chloe being her usual amazing self. Of course, I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to look at everything. And that is what she does. And statistically, the spouse is one of the main suspects anyway. So, of course, she does more than due diligence because she is Chloe super cop. And I fucking love this so much. This is a trio where I want more of the energy. Give me Dan in there as well to do the lowly police work and make lovey lovey eyes at Charlotte. And it would be perfection. Couple solving murders. Yay. Exactly. I would be here for it. And I know the end doesn't exist, but I'm so angry that I didn't get this. Yeah. Hey, Lena, maybe next episode. <laughs> no, there is a few things about this entire precinct segment, which I absolutely loved. I was, of course, same as you, 100% on board with Forrest being shady as fuck. Shady! But I am slightly on the side of Chloe in a sense that I feel like she may have had a feeling about him when she was interviewing him. But because she didn't have any solid proof or any reasons to look into him, she would have pursued it anyway, but she didn't ward it. And by Charlotte giving her the opportunity, I think that it just supported that she had a feeling about Forrest being a little bit off. Another thing is that, again, I appreciate Charlotte going about it the right way. She, instead of doing something completely dumb, which what anybody else would do, actually goes to Chloe and tells her about her suspicions and about her knowledge and about all the information that she has. And about the backstory that exists that nobody knows, but now she shares it so Chloe can make an informed decision. Exactly. We move over to Lux. Oh, it's Lux. So we have a song. Yes! It's called You Killed Me on the Moon by Blow. Wow, okay. <laughs> and Emmanuel is there and he's day drinking because he needs to process what Charlotte started in his man-child brain. I, for one, have written down, look, Ames is finally using his brain. Well, he's trying to soak it in alcohol and see what happens. But Amenadiel raises a very good and interesting theory. But Lucifer reacts so harshly and nearly violently to the mere suggestion that they are doing this to themselves via self-actualization that I was surprised. To me... It made absolute sense, actually. And maybe it's me hoping that Lucifer might 
actually go through some character development. But is Lucifer really still that dependent on Dad being his great adversary? I think this is more about the fact that he has been going through metaphorical hell throughout the last season with his devil face, with all of these things that are happening to him and he doesn't really know what's happening. That the idea of him doing this to himself is unacceptable. He needs somebody outside of his own self to blame in order to cope. But I said I would not repeat myself on this topic, so zip, shutting up now. Okay, well, we can go to the precinct. Whee! So one of the first things that is said in this scene is that Forrest is squeaky clean. And if years of watching crime shows have ever taught me anything, no one is squeaky clean. If you're squeaky clean, it's always suspicious. Abso-fucking-lutely. Which immediately gets confirmed by Ella, who is back on my good side. She's back as competent, work-focused Ella, which is nice. Yes. No more distractions with stupid weddings of the wrong people who never should have gotten together. Yay. So my next scene is called Forest of Flyer. Wow. I only have a single note for this because Lucifer does his mojo thing and it seems to prove that Forrest is not the killer. But since Charlotte was convinced he was dirty, I said, well, he might not be the killer, but maybe he paid someone to do it for him. Hmm. Yeah, I only have one note as well. And that is that I didn't see this coming. And then I expected that this will not be the full story. So I'm so on the train of forest guilt that I was not willing to jump off for pretty much the entire episode. I mean, same. That's why I had the theory that, well, if he wasn't doing it himself, he paid someone. That is a good theory. But now we go back to the precinct. I was so busy with suffering. <laughs> Are you talking about the euphemisms? I'm talking about the baseball sex puns. Yes, euphemisms. They are horrifying and I hate every single one of them. I loved all of them. They were so good. So in this interrogation scene, we learn several things. We learn that apparently Mia and Forrest are having rough sex and this is how he got hurt. But for some reason, he didn't want to tell them that because he didn't want to tell them that he was cheating on his wife. But apparently cheating on his wife is not even an issue because she was already cheating on him, which to me, is like, uh, that kind of screams motive to me. If you know that your wife is cheating on you and then you start sleeping with someone else and then your wife suddenly happens to die. I also felt like this entire situation and the alibi and everything was way too convenient. So I did not believe it. I was convinced Mia is in on it. And in the end, we learn nothing. <laughs> but before we learn more things... We go to Pierce's new dicks, which looked weird as fuck with all the cameras and screens because he has to make sure he sees Mace coming from every angle. And then, of course, she comes, which really, Mace, you have been way more competent in the past. So I am surprised. She gets in there without him technically seeing her and then 
she thumbs behind him so loudly. She literally has like the loudest shoes ever. It doesn't make sense and it doesn't fit her usual level of competence. Yeah. But obviously story's got a story and once Pierce starts talking he once again proves he is the master manipulator because he has a point. May's killing him will not help Maze in any way, shape or form. Well, yes, but I have a couple of very severe issues with this scene. He is right, but this should not be enough for Maze to trust him with anything again. Because he fucked her over and she should not trust him to do anything. And it's just very upsetting to me that she is convinced by the offhand comment of mm, or maybe you've gone soft. No. Not okay. She should know better. She knows better. She is smarter than this. I think she does know better, but she is still clinging to the tiniest sliver of hope to have a way back to hell. Because by this point, she has alienated everyone around her in the worst possible ways. So in Maze's point of view, there probably is no going back anyway. So when he offers yet again another plan, I can understand why she would jump at the chance. Because what other options does she have? Kill Cain and live her life. Which is not an option for her. It's option for me though. And it makes sense. But my main issue with this situation actually is not that Maze believes Pierce has another plan. But I do not believe Pierce wanting the mark back. It doesn't make sense. Exactly. And that is where I feel she should have caught on. Because the mark is a curse. It has always been a curse. And it makes absolutely zero sense that Cain would want the curse back and deliberately do something to be cursed again. Yeah, I don't understand that angle at all. Like, it seems that he actually wants it even throughout the next couple of scenes that we're gonna see with him. But I don't understand why would he want that. So as you, I'm not really sure what to think about that right now. So in my opinion, he has an ulterior motive. It's nice that it's not spelled out because this is at least something that I really can ponder about. And I'm gonna have an assumption or prediction for what the next episode is gonna be at the end of my final thoughts. Okay, okay. Because I actually don't remember. Honestly, I have completely dismissed the entire Kane storyline out of this episode and out of the end. I completely forgot that he exists in these episodes after the engagement breaks off. With that being said, do you have anything else on this scene? No. The second cut scene is coming up now. Or shall I say the cut double scene? Because... This starts at the precinct. We see Chloe leaving the precinct and she is caught by Charlotte. Charlotte is asking about Forrest and Chloe says that both his and Mia's alibis are airtight. She doesn't have anything on him and it really doesn't look like he is the perpetrator. And Charlotte seems very disappointed and Chloe says, bring me proof. And I swear to you, the second you hand me even a hint of a proof, I will go after it and I will take him down, essentially. That's it, what she says. And with that, she leaves the precinct saying that she has another lead to follow, which we know from the conversation that they have with Mia. And that is the fact that Devon was cheating allegedly on her husband. So we head to the King Clan and happenings before we actually go back to the episode, which is the second part of this cutscene, where Chloe and Lucifer 
walk around and they talk about jealousy being another classive motif and Lucifer of course comes in and says oh yeah of course classic our solving issues whatever so I went shut up Lucifer in my notes and then Lucifer reveals that he stole the CEO's emails without a warrant and Chloe gets really really pissed off about that because now that's an issue and Lucifer's like oh this is also classic us because you know I contain proofs and evidence and you pretend to be disappointed in me but you're secretly happy that I did that and he tries to get her to react certain way and say certain words and she just angrily stares at him and then he boobs her And she just looks at him. She doesn't say a word. And he's like, well, you're doing it wrong. You're supposed to say this and that. And then he offers her his butt and says, why don't you just slap my bum and we'll call it a day? And she just turns her out and walks away. And he just looks super confused. So I feel like this is actually a good kind of a baseline of her overreacting later in the interview in the scene. But like... What what the fuck did I just watch? It was just so random. Also, what does the butt slapping I don't know reference? I don't know. I get the stealing evidence and breaking the law and everything, and I got all the references at the first crime scene. Did I forget some butt slapping? I don't possibly we both forgot because I don't I have no idea what this refers to. Dear listeners, if you can remember what the butt slapping offer refers to, please let us know because we're both drawing up a blank. Yeah. It's just so random and weird. The only reason why I think this scene is important is that it antagonizes Chloe even more and now her burst out during that interview makes so much more sense because it was just out of nowhere to me and I did not understand how she got so worked up. Yeah, makes sense. So let's go into the photo shoot where we have Chloe projecting so hard onto the case and referencing the previous cutscene that, of course, makes zero sense if you don't know that there is a cutscene. It also explains why Lucifer is so confused because this is the emotional setting he has been in the previous cutscene. Exactly. I didn't know about this, so I was like, come on, Lucifer, please catch on that Chloe is projecting and she's talking about your relationship so do something about this and I was very much annoyed because Chloe was annoyed yeah I'm just gonna mention there is a song at the photo shoot called Covered Wagon by Low Tome had to mention it but we already see that Mia's story doesn't track because the CEO doesn't seem to have any idea about any affair and in this moment I thought it could go two different ways either she lied on purpose in order to mislead them or she was convinced that she's telling the truth because Forrest told her to get sympathy or to convince her to start the affair or whatever reasons that he had. And they finally come up with something that I could actually get on board with and that is the stalker idea because they mentioned the guy following possibly Devon around, which finally, for the first time, this is an idea that doesn't lead directly to Forrest in this moment. And I was like, okay, maybe it it wasn't him. Maybe it was this random stalker. I'm completely with you and agree with everything you said. Thank you. Now, there is another song at the next scene that is called Tempt My Trouble 
by Bishop Briggs. And I just want to mention, if there wasn't a Barbra Streisand song in this episode, this would have been My Devils in the Music, because it's a very cool song. And I love this scene. I love the scene. I love that Amenadiel is recycling his old persona of Dr. Kanan. I love that he is talking about his wrongful diagnosis of chlamydia. I was kind of confused what was going on, because I somehow did not catch up quickly enough to see, oh, of course, that is the law firm with Charlotte, so Charlotte is going to have him sent there. But as soon as she shows up, I caught up, and I was like, ah, of course, she's distracting him so that Amenadiel can steal files or something. And while she was busy distracting the asshole lawyer, I was distracted by her beautiful earring. (laughs) I did not see you go there. It's a dye. It's beautiful. I didn't notice, but I can see that. She looks perfect, anyway. I was so confused. Again, as same as you, at the beginning I did not understand why Eminadiel is there, and I, I was getting a little suspicious at the start. But then Charlotte shows up, and I was like, what? Wait, this is so out of character for Charlotte. What, what's happening? And then it clicked, and I was like, oh, he's searching his office! This is so cool! And... Oh my god, I just love when Charlotte and Ames work together and do their crazy plans over the last couple of episodes. They are a great team, but I have to confess, I was very surprised at the end of the scene that Amenadiel knows not only how to work a computer, but also knows how to work a USB stick. (laughs) I did not expect that. I didn't even think of that, actually. Yeah, that's so true. Do you think Charlotte coached him before they went on this mission? Oh, for sure. Several dry trial runs or something? Yeah, must have been done. It's now a fact. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, now we go back into our minds into a montage of Amenadiel training for this specific mission and Charlotte just standing next to him by the computer with the stopwatch. Yes! We head back into the precinct and as much as I'm annoyed by Lucifer... I fucking adore this second when he is so offended at being mistaken for Dan. It is very season one behavior, but it's so hilarious. But mostly I just enjoyed Dan in this scene because he is the cutest and bestest and sweetest and everythingst. But also they were making waffles in the nightmare. So this is where my conspiracy brain gave me a worry. (gasps) Ooh. Which was only eased by the fact that I know that Daniel doesn't die in this episode because I know he's in the next season. But I was like, oh, fuck. Maybe he's going to make waffles and then something bad is going to happen. And so when he offers the alternative of not giving her the waffle iron, but instead giving her the waffle bracelet, I was like, yes, please go with that option. Because that way, the prophetic part of the dream hopefully does not include you. I did not go into that depressing direction because nothing bad ever happens on this show and everybody lives at all (laughs) times. And because of that, I just said that he should give her both because he is indeed the Waffle King and we love him and everybody should love him and he should be forever happy with Charlotte because they're both alive forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And they both deserve happiness with each other. Exactly. This scene closes out with another beautiful moment, which is Lucifer once again being super offended when Chloe tells Dan that Lucifer is not the authority on what women want. 
Mm-hmm. And because I completely dismissed Chloe's frustration in the interviewing the CEO because it just felt so forced and over the top, this was the first time where I actually detected of true resentment from Chloe towards Lucifer and it made sense to me. So this sowed some doubts on... Uh, They're happily ever after? Uh-huh. They're normal ever after. I had already abandoned all hope for that. Next up, we are at Charlotte's. Yes. And they're going through the content of the flash drive. Of the stolen data, which thus cannot be used for anything. But we find evidence that apparently Forrest is a serial killer? No, 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 no. We find evidence that he paid off at least 20 women in the past whatever years. But only one died. Only one died, yeah. I felt that only one is confirmed dead and we don't know, which led me to believe that Forrest is a fucking serial killer. No, no, no. We, they definitely checked the names against deceased people or murders or whatever because that's how came up with that one murder. Uh... And the rest of them were just abused by him and then paid off to not say anything. And I feel like if this season was done today, it would have like a content warning or something before because this is way too close to reality. It's intense. Yeah, I agree. Men with power and money abusing women and getting away with it because of their position because of their wealth is disgusting and real indeed but let's focus on the beautiful parts in this scene yes yes let's do that which obviously is Dan walking in I also find beautiful and made me quite happy before he shows up that Ames seems to be very perceptive of Charlotte and Charlotte seems to be very helpful towards him they are good for each other They're very good for each other. And for me, this scene was a return of non-annoying Eminadil. And I was very happy about that. I was very, very excited, actually. For me, he returned to being not annoying at the moment. Charlotte caused the epiphany in his brain. Yes, yes, for sure. But it was still, he was coming back. It wasn't like 180 immediately. So this scene is the first one when I'm actually on board and Also, I'm feeling comfortable in accepting him back in my embrace. Ah, we'll see how it goes. He has misled us before in the past. That is true. But I appreciate the friendship between Charlotte and Amenadiel, but more even... I fucking adore the bromance between Ames and Dan. It's so subtle. Because when Dan shows up, Amenadiel immediately is like, I'm gonna leave, don't you worry. And when he walks out of the room, the smile he gives Dan, because he knows why Dan is there. I am so sure that Dan told him before. And the smile is so supportive and sweet and warm and everything. Also confidence boosting for Dan and then Amenity leaves and then the camera focuses on Dan's face and he gives this happy smile. (gasps) I hate them. I hate them because now I know what happens so so soon and this is such perfection and bliss and pure joy and it made me so happy for them and in retrospect it makes me so angry i don't know what you're talking about there's nothing bad happening except for the fact that is coming up right now because for ames the minute we started accepting him back we go to the parking lot with him and we see mace (laughs) I've written down. And as Ames finally isn't the worst, 
hunter mace. A crying mace, which screams it's a trap. Yes. But also, I feel like if anything, Will gets Ames to stop and talk to her or not be nasty or anything, it's gonna be Mace crying. I think the mindset that Amanadiel is in now did not require Mace to be crying to get him to talk to her. But of course, Mace doesn't know that. That's what I, what I was gonna say, exactly. She doesn't know. I think Amanadiel is in the perfect mindset to be abused by Mace. Yeah. Which, funnily enough, is probably the reason reason why she doesn't do it yeah next we are at chloe's and i honestly don't remember the scene but apparently i feel bad for chloe and lucifer is an idiot and makes everything worse i have no idea what's happening so this scene is yet another example of him being a complete tool about trying to get everything back to normal because he comes back with the monopoly to repeat the game night experience which is not great on its own trixie says it the best i think she says you can't play the exact same game as before it's not fun and I think that sums up the situation pretty well. And then she walks away to finish her homework. And Lucifer does the worst thing he did the entire episode, in my opinion. And that is that he puts on the Only You song and tries to dance with Chloe. And that was just so cringeworthy. It was so bad. That was cruel. I know that he didn't mean it as a bad thing. I understand. But it was We just... talked about this before. Intent is not the only thing that matters. Effect matters more. And the effect of this is cruelty. As Essentially, I am just happy that that was the breaking point. I am happy that this brings Chloe to actually speak up and stop pretending that everything is fine. And she says something that we've been feeling and I am glad that she has come around and actually words it to Lucifer and I think this is the basis on what he then later on builds his revelation on. She says we can't go back because it hurts. It hurts too much to go back to normal and as much as I hate this moment I also love it for Chloe because she just proves that she is ready to step up and face the situation, even though Lucifer can't yet. Yeah, nothing to add to this. I love Chloe so much. I like her a lot. Mm, okay. But I like her even more in the precinct, because she looks exactly how she is supposed to look after not sleeping. Perfect, perfect hair, perfect facial expression, perfect clothing, perfect everything. But this scene actually has something much more beautiful than her outfit. And that's something coming from me. It's her self-realization. It's her self-realization and it's Ella's apology. Yeah, but first let's focus on the self-realization. Because, fuck yes. As our dear listeners know, I am always here for it when competent Chloe gets to be competent, be it a super mom or a super cop. But sometimes they tend to dump her down when the story requires it. And it is so gratifying to have her freely verbalize all of this. Because this does not feel, okay, we're going to explain it so the stupid watcher can understand what is happening. This feels organic to her character. And I am here for it. This is brilliant. And the only thing I don't want to happen is that we regress from this in a future episode. That's my only fear. But I love this. This is perfect. It's beautiful. It's great that she verbalizes and realizes everything 
And, you know, there was a lot of talk of denial and stuff in the past. And I'm glad that she is on the other side of it now. Because as much as we talked about Lucifer needing to snap, snap out of it, we did not talk about her being in denial as well enough. Yeah, but there's a reason. Oh yeah, no, obviously. She is self-protecting and that is why she is in denial. And I can understand that. Oh no, this is in no way a criticism. This is just me reminding myself that denial doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. It depends on the situation. In Lucifer's case, it's tough to swallow. It's unhealthy. It's too much. But in Chloe's case, it wasn't so grating from her. We didn't talk about it as much because it felt organic. It felt justified. Exactly, that's the right word. It felt justified. But now... Ella's apology. Finally! And as much as I enjoyed the apology, she says the worst shipping name of all ship names. Picker! Little beautiful picker babies! In what world is this an acceptable ship name? In Lucifer's. I am appalled. I am horrified. So you remember in some other shows, there is always being made fun of people having the best timing and probably having waited around the corner to enter the room at just the right moment. I didn't catch it here. Are you saying that Charlotte is Snape? Charlotte is Snape because Charlotte enters the room at exactly the perfect second to join in the conversation. I have finished this scene on my notes saying that Charlotte is honestly the best, smartest, coolest and with a moral compass. So essentially, I love Charlotte. And that is my contribution to that debate. So we can go back to the hideout while we listen to a song called Hellfire by Barnes Courtney. Sadly, not the Disney song. This is not the Hellfire. This is a song called Hellfire that is more maze-like song because we get to watch her go kick Kane's butt. The satisfaction that I had watching her beat the shit out of Pierce. Ah, so good. Yes. So let's briefly jump to the precinct. I only have to say Charlotte and Chloe are an amazing team. Maybe it's Charlotte who simply makes an amazing team with anyone. Yeah. (laughs) Because she's great with Dan, she's great with Ames, she's great with Chloe, she also was great with Lucifer. That's why I said Charlotte is the best. And this is the interview with the actual killer of Devon, where they find the gun. And I had a weird feeling that this was not it. I don't know why I was just still believing that forest was behind it. Because we are believing Charlotte. Yes, because we know. We know better than anybody else in this episode, except for Charlotte and Lucifer. We know better that she's right. But I do appreciate the spin that they gave it, that they actually did catch the killer. But Chloe will keep on Forrest to take him down regardless, because she too trusts Charlotte. And also Chloe is super cop Chloe, and she doesn't just close the one murder, she closes the entire case. Ah, I love Chloe. It's great. We see Lucifer being sad, disappointed, confused, all of the above from the fact that he is not a part of the solution. And he has not been needed since she walked away from him and told Dan that Lucifer is not the expert on what women want. 
ever since then, he is completely superfluous. You love your big words. Superfluous is an amazing word. Come on. I have never heard it in my life, but I like I know from the context what it means, but wow. You know what? You should get a word a day calendar where you have one fancy English word every day and then you have to use it in a sentence. Or, and bear with me here, no. Come on, it would be fun. We can make that the poll. Mm. Now, back to the fight where I started my notes with... (laughs) With saying, he's such a pierce of shit. (laughs) Do we want to keep using that in the future when we don't like characters? And then we just say, oh my god, he's such a pierce. No, he's such a pierce of shit. I mean, it's a good idea, but also I sincerely hope that we will never meet as horrifying of a character as Kane is. Malcolm. No, nowhere near. Okay, we're gonna talk about this in the summoning episode. Yeah, we're gonna we gotta have a chat about that. Speaking of the summoning episode, dear listeners, send us feedback. We are taking mails, Lucifer at TOT minus podcast.com. We are taking DMs on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can tweet at us, whatever. Just send us stuff. Yeah, send us questions, send us remarks. We love you. Now, here I got so mad all over again about how easy it is for Kane to manipulate Mace. And this is genuinely my biggest issue with this episode. Probably my only issue with this episode. I feel that Mace is smarter than this. And she has proved it. He is the master manipulator. He pulled exactly the one card that he could pull. He's not even using any intricate fucking manipulations. He's just... No, he doesn't have to because Mace is a very simple creature. And I hate that because I don't think she is. She actually is because she's a caring, loyal creature that is hurt and wounded. And the threat that if he doesn't survive this, someone is gonna take a headshot to Linda. It's not just that. So this scene ends with her getting the dosage that was meant for a mana deal. So yet another thing that I'm sorry, I'm gonna bring out another issue in this scene that I have. Okay, we know that she's gonna be in the future episodes, right? So he lets her live. I ask, why would he let her live? She literally tells him, I will kill you. And he still lets her survive this. To set a trap for Lucifer would be my assumption. I do not understand. To me, a completely logical thing would be that he takes her out and kills her. Just gets rid of her. Because then he eliminates a threat. Because clearly this is not how he's gonna get his mark back. I don't think he wants his mark back. I think he wants to take revenge upon Lucifer. I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. Because we don't see Mace for the rest of the episode. And if I didn't know that she is in the future episodes as the as the actress... It would be easy to assume that she's dead. Killed off screen. Well, yes. Essentially. Which would be horrible. Because how about we don't kill women off screen because they don't matter. But Lucifer does not have a history of this type of horrible treatment. So this is why I would not expect them to kill off one of the main characters in this way. Other shows? Yes. But speaking of things that I hate, let's take a look at the forest. I was so confused in the beginning when Charlotte shows up because I was like, wait, 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 what are you doing? This is stupid. You're not stupid. Chloe said that she had a plan. This is not a plan. If it's a plan, it's a horrible plan. This is stupid. Why are you doing this? Oh no, he's gonna hurt you. He's not gonna give you money. Why are you even asking for money? This makes no sense. I was so confused. And then of course, this was all a setup. They recorded it and I was completely on board. 
boy. I was like, yeah. So, boy, my emotions were all over the place. So, holy shit. This is the quality I have come to demand of this show. I did get that Charlotte is lying to him. I understand immediately that she is trying to set him up. What I didn't realize was that she brought Chloe as a backup. I was hoping because of that comments that she made earlier that Chloe said, I'm going to take care of this or I have a plan or something. But because I didn't see Chloe, my brain was immediately in panic thinking she is trying to take him down on her own and now she's going to die there and this is horrible and I hate this. And then when Lucifer shows up, I, for some reason, was convinced that he is at Chloe's apartment instead of there. I thought so too. I was just like, this is so confusing. What's happening? And suddenly when he hears the noise noise from the inside, it's like, oh my god, he's at, okay, okay, now it all makes sense. And then he goes around and watches the rest of the situation unfold. And yes, of course, Chloe was there. Yes, of course, she had a backup with her because it's fucking Chloe. She's not Lucifer. But also, can we just for a second talk about Chloe devised a plan that used both Charlotte and the victim as pawns, which is like, damn, Chloe grew balls of fucking steel. This is not something that season one Chloe would have been willing to risk, but she agrees with Charlotte that it is so important that they make this airtight, which is why in the past, I was so sure that the evidence that they have is not usable. So this is why they make this so airtight and why Chloe is willing to take the risk. And also, can I just say, free women take down a serial abuser. Yes. Fuck yes. Women power. Well, watching Lucifer, seeing the situation unfold and realizing that she doesn't need him, that Chloe doesn't need him, I actually was worried and I got really like pre-angry that he's gonna be a little bitch about it and (laughs) I was just like, I'm over this, I'm over this, just fuck you, Lucifer. And then I was just super proud of Charlotte because she made it, she took him down and I'm just so proud of her. Yes. And of course, we leave the scene with such tender and proud feelings for Charlotte. And we transition into what I call the park bench scene. And Amenadiel and Charlotte sitting there. And we're going to talk about the timeline at the end because I have questions. But they are sitting there and they are talking. And Amenadiel acknowledges that he doesn't know anything. And he also rephrases his theory about self-actualization and everything, which to me, of course, super important that it gets said again. And my heart opens and blooms because Charlotte is in this, yes, maybe it's not enough, but tiny victories. She finally willingly echoes the tiny victories fighting phrase that Amenadiel has said again and again and again to her in the past. And just when you think, okay, now probably they're gonna embrace and the friendship is beautiful and Charlotte is such a strong warrior for good, we have this movement in the bushes and Pierce tries to shoot Amenadiel and shoots Charlotte in the stomach because she steps in front of Amenadiel. I don't know what she's talking about, it never happened. We have to talk about it, otherwise we cannot stop the episode at the end. So, Pierce... The man who has lived forever, who was around for the invention of the gun, is not a 
good enough marksman to hit the target he's aiming at? Really? Well, he's a human after all. And he is now more human than he's been in thousands of years. That doesn't change the level of experience that he has for hunting prey. So I am extremely angry about this because it feels so ridiculous. And as much as, of course, sacrificing yourself by protecting God's favorite fallen son. Protecting anybody but yourself, essentially, I think is the idea. I get all that. It all makes sense. It all fits the narrative. No, no, just no. You do not give me a character in the beginning of a season and then you build her up with a more complex past and struggle and progress. And then you give her fleeting happiness and then you take it away again and then you give it back to her and you give her a chance for a real future and then you kill her in that way you don't i was so furious and i'm still furious i mean i i I have tears in my eyes because i'm so furious and i don't understand why this was an amazing character did trisha helfer have a different commitment that they had to end her character arc i don't know fuck this fuck pierce fuck everything and i'm crying (laughs) please one of us is As we entered this scene and we started looking at the beautiful view of Los Angeles, I remembered what is about to happen. And this is a moment where my notes essentially morph into all cups for the rest of the episode. (laughs) And essentially I written down, I just remembered I don't want to watch this. And then I realized that I remembered it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) because I'm pretty sure this is going to end up in the cuts, but we have mentioned this earlier in the episode. I was convinced that they were going to go after her because she took down Forrest. But to my massive surprise, it was actually Kane being an arsehole, as usual, living up to his hype. Being the first murderer and all. And I uh, don't cope well with emotions. So I, at this moment, just went to went into denial. And I just don't want to think about even the idea of Charlotte not being with us anymore after this episode. And you get to be in denial for the next scene. Because we don't get confirmation. I will move over back to the forest. And just talk about something nice for a second. The first thing is that Lucifer completely destroyed my expectations. I did not see that coming either. He actually realizes that the fact that Chloe did this without him means that she doesn't need him and therefore she chooses to be around him. And I think this entire conversation is one of the most beautiful things that has been written into Lucifer so far in these three seasons. He never says I love you, but everything Thing he says and the way he says it all of that screams it it's the honesty and her response is not I don't believe you it's not stop lying to me she says not to me you're not it's the perfect thing to say in that situation because she's not dismissing anything that he's telling her but she's not accepting the fact that there is a supernatural situation happening this entire scene it's so beautiful and I believe that scenes like this are the reason why people out there ship Decker Star so hard. It's so heartwarming and, and nice. I did not have emotional capacity to focus on those two because I was busy with 
with the previous at the following scene. So it's very good that you are in denial. But now that you talked about it, I realized the writing in this scene is brilliant because Chloe has no way of accepting the supernatural factor in this without any proof. But it also is completely unnecessary because she simply takes his metaphor speech as what it also is, which is huge amount of self-loathing. And even if he was not the devil and used imagery speech to explain certain thoughts and feelings about himself, her answer is perfection. And I didn't realize it when I watched it because I was occupied with different emotions. But now that you described it, I realized it and I needed to call it out. And of course, we get a kiss. Yes, we get a kiss. A well-deserved kiss. Finally, right? They did kiss before, but the way their relationship changed since that kiss on the beach till now. It's a completely different thing. And it evolved into something so much bigger and better. And I, for one, I'm here for this. The satisfaction that we get watching this makes all of the suffering worth it for me. Not for me. I am not over the build-up to this point. I'm still extremely salty about a lot of things. But this is a good moment. It's a very good moment. And as this moment is occurring and we get the phone call coming in. Who called Chloe? I would say it was Amenadiel. No, impossible. Why? Because we see Amenadiel with Charlotte. He's only talking to her and then she dies and he takes her to heaven. Yeah. And when the police is there, there is no Amenadiel. There's just her body. This is why I am sure that the scene on the park bench that we see is timeline-wise at a different moment. There is some kind of continuity issue. But that does make sense because then why would they still be at Forrest's house? I know, which is why I am so confused. This actually took me out a bit because it made no sense to me. And you know me, I'm a sucker for this shit. (laughs) (laughs) So when the kiss is happening and Chloe receives a phone call, the last song of the episode starts playing and it's called Ashes and it's sang by Claire Geressa and it's this melancholic, beautiful piano-based song that, as you beautifully said at the beginning, tears our hearts out and rips them into pieces. And I'm paraphrasing here, I know, but (laughs) essentially that's what happens. I went on a big emotional journey here. I admit here that I have teared up. I cried! Several tears. Yeah, I know that. But as we established before, I am not a crier. I never cry. And this took me down. And I have written down, don't die. Fuck this show. I had so many anger issues in this final scene. Mm -hmm. She dies in his arms and D.B. Woodside acts this beautifully the keeping it together as long as she is there so that she doesn't suffer his pain as well and then he does this half second of crying when he closes her eyes and then he gets up and he has her in her her arms and of course he proves his theory right because now he needs wings he needs them and he deserves to have them for her so he takes her soul home which of course opens another huge question to me which is did we just lose Amenadiel as well. Maybe yes, maybe no. So I was just, what? Plus, of course, me being me, even in my emotions. That's not how souls work, as we have seen in the show. Like when she dies, he 
can't hold on to her. Remember how hard it was for Lucifer to hold on to the soul and everything? Yeah, but Lucifer is still able to grab a soul and raise it from perdition. And then it is even worse because Dan shows up. He runs up to her body and there is this small close-up on her hand wearing the waffle. And that's, I feel like that's the most heartbreaking thing in this entire scene. Seeing Chloe react to Charlotte and seeing Lucifer react. Dunn running up to her is, is heartbreaking as well, but that one second of seeing that she's actually wearing the bracelet it just it was too much it just couldn't cope for me the worst part about this is Dan because he deserved happiness he had happiness and this is gonna break him the ones who are left behind are the ones who suffer the most and of all the ones who are left behind in this situation he is gonna suffer the most and I'm sorry Charlotte went through literal hell why on earth does Dan have to go through figurative hell what has he done to deserve this Nothing. He has proven time and time and time again that he is a good person, that he has a great heart, that he cares, that he helps, that he does all the things that you're supposed to do selflessly. Yeah. And one more tidbit about this scene. Lucifer finds a feather. So not only he knows that Ames was there, because obviously he recognizes that feather, but this gives him a doubt slash confirmation that Emenidio's theory might be correct. That is my final question. Does he now believe Ames's theory? I don't know if he per se believes it. It definitely gives him grounds to doubt himself. Yeah, let's wrap <laughs> this up, I guess. Fuck me. My favorite character is dead. My second favorite character is gonna be heartbroken. My third favorite character got knocked out by Pierce and we have no idea where she is. I feel more justified than ever in my deep Pierce hatred that I had from his fucking first episode and I did not remember how the season ends. I hope he dies in the most horrible way next episode and that his body is eaten by cockroaches. I don't have space to be happy for Chloe and Lucifer for their sweet moment that they shared together. But also because if I have learned one thing in this show, it won't last. Most likely it will get fucked up right next episode, especially since it's the finale. My prediction for the plot for the final episode is Dan is gonna figure out that Pierce killed Charlotte. He's gonna go on a rampage. Lucifer is gonna get involved. This somehow is gonna fuck up his fresh relationship with Chloe. And then Dan or Lucifer shoots Pierce, which is gonna make everything worse. And then at the very end, everyone is gonna be sad. <laughs> I am not looking forward to the next episode. I miss denial. <laughs> I went through all the emotions this week. I'm glad that Ella finally recognized where she went wrong. And I am happy for Mace finally standing up for herself, even though and I have mentioned it repeatedly. I am frustrated that she allows Kane to manipulate her so easily. And speaking of frustration, Lucifer was really getting on my nerve the entire time, up until he finally levels with Chloe. I fairly enjoyed the entirety of Ames's and Charlotte's build-up, and I'm pissed and sad and frustrated and heartbroken about what happened to Charlotte. I want to know what are going to be the consequences for Kane because he needs to die. And essentially what I mean to say by this, bring on the finale. There is so much I need to see. 
And with this, we say thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.